Oh, Chris, I just, I just had the craziest dream. Yeah? Yeah. You were there. Oh. And I was there. Mm. And there were all of these universes, all these worlds. And we were, we were talking about them. Not, not just talking. We were recording our voices and other people wanted to listen. Yeah. Um, not a dream. What? Yeah. Uh, we do it all the time. We're about to do it right now. What are we going to do? Talk about comics. <laughs> yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Chris's on Infinite Earths. We are covering Issue 11 of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, if you haven't uh, joined us before this as far as Crisis on Infinite Earths is concerned, you may want to go back and listen to the previous 10 episodes. Yeah, otherwise, maybe a little bit lost, but we'll be entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, we hear we're delightful. <laughs> so, do we want to dive right into the summary? Yeah, summary. We start our issue as Earth 2's Clark Kent wakes up to have realized all of this was a dream. He walks to his job as editor-in-chief of the Daily Star newspaper before realizing this is the Daily Planet. Earth 1 Clark Kent quickly covers for him and they fly to the warp zone from issues prior so that Earth 2 soups can travel back home. However, the warp zone is gone. They quickly fly to Jay Garrick's house and realize both Keystone City and Central City are here as Twin Cities. Jay and Wally West are working on using the cosmic treadmill to try to travel between universes, but when they try, they only encounter a black void. It seems as though there is only one Earth now. Meanwhile, the team known as the Forgotten Heroes explores Brainiac's empty ship, where Brainiac himself seems deceased. The heroes from every Earth gather at Titan's Tower, where Harbinger appears to tell them that the danger is not yet over. Still? Still Harbinger? She also explains the now singular history of this new Earth. Understandably, the people from other Earths are not thrilled about this. The mystical heroes of DC have found another conundrum, as the Spectre has entered a deep sleep. And the Princess Amethyst has appeared on our world, rather than her home gem world. I know, it's kind of weird. And is attacked by a crowd of people blaming her for the sudden appearance of shadow demons? Wait, the, the shadow demons are back? Yeah, they sure are, along with swirling pink clouds. Doctors Fate and Occult, along with the demon Etrigan, different kind of demon, rescue Amethyst, who has been blinded by the Anti-Monitor's cronies. The heroes figure out that the only people who remember the previous Earths were those who fought the Anti-Monitor last issue at the dawn of time, just in time to realize why the pink energy is all around. The Anti-Monitor not only lives, but he has pulled the Earth into the Antimatter universe. All right, Chrissy, what did you think of this issue? So I feel like in all of the ways that I love how the last issue delivered, this issue was entirely different. Not that it didn't somewhat move the story along. It just, 
you didn't quite get that satisfaction, that action-packed satisfaction. It's an expository issue. It definitely is, which feels very weird to have as the second-to-last issue. Well, this was kind of the entire point of the crossover. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. to get to the point that we're at now. Right. They still have to, like, wrap up the actual conflict of the crossover. But the the ultimate goal is, is now met in this issue as we look at the cover, which basically spoils a lot of the issue. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of an interesting cover because it just feels very disjointed. It feels like it should be like a page within the comic, not the cover. Right. We just have a panel of, well, it's just stuff that's going to happen in the issue. So we could we could spoil. I mean, you've already seen the summary, but it's yes, definitely just little segments look like they could have been panels taken straight out of the comic. So meh on the cover. All right. Well, we'll go to page one where um, we basically get the explanation of that in the beginning there was a multiverse, but there isn't anymore. One universe is 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 now created. The exact caption it says is a universe with mighty worlds orbiting burning suns, a universe reborn at the dawn of time. What had been many became one. Yep. I mean, it, it mentioned previously in Crisis that there had originally... Well, there only should have been one universe. So it's like, yeah, okay. Right. It's just, it's interesting in that you think of like, in the beginning there was one thing, then many things, but this is in the beginning there was many things and then one thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So we go move on to page two where we get the title of this issue called Aftershock. Mm-hmm. I love illustrated titles like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're <laughs> kind of fun. They're fun. And we open up on Earth 2 Superman waking up shirtless and buff and... Being Superman and thinking, huh, what, what a, happened? Yeah, what, what a happened? weird dream. Mm-hmm. Um, he also thinks that his wife, Lois, because it's it's he has the same wife on both Earths, um, mm-hmm. just left early and he must have slept in. Right. And he also thinks, he's like, wow, Lois must have redone the apartment while I was asleep or something. Or right. What, he's just very confused. Yeah. <laughs> or he says, like, where have I been? Did she redo the apartment? Well, he goes and walks to his job. Or what he thinks is his job. Yes. Which is at the Daily Star, where he is the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. And he goes and sits down at his desk when suddenly he hears... Great Caesar's ghost! Who in blazes are you? And what are you doing in my office in my chair? That's Perry White, who is the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. And you guys are probably all a little more familiar with the Daily Planet, as it is the newspaper office that Earth-1 Superman works on. And, like, in every movie, it's the Daily Planet. Right. Right. Obviously some confusion going on here. And luckily, Earth-2 Superman sees, or is seen by, Earth-1 Superman, who's like, oh... Oh, gotta gotta cover my bases here. This right. is my this is my uncle, everybody. Hey, I told I told a little fib and said I was the editor, so he would think I was a big shot, basically. Right. And Perry's just kinda like, uh, just get out for the most part. So the two of them go up on the roof, you know, as super as supermen do. Mm-hmm. And decide they're gonna fly to New York. I forgot sometimes I forget New York exists in the DC universe. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like all the normal cities and a bunch more. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to go to the warp zone that that was talked about a few issues ago, kind of where all the Earths were overlapping, so he could go to Earth 2. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of love that Earth 2 soups is like, hey, you should real, really settle down with your Lois, you know, but marriage, marriage is great. And he's like, whatever, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> 
he says he says he'll keep that in mind. He's very polite. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, even um, Superman from Earth One is kind of trying to remember what the heck was going on at the dawn of time. Right. It, they both kind of agree. They just woke up and it seemed like nothing had happened they even quote some through the looking glass here right curious sir and curious sir very good so then superman comes down superman both supermans supers supers man mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what you call two supermen it's supers man supers man <laughs> well supers man come down in washington square looking for the police cordon keeping people out of the warp zone but it isn't there and the one cop who just happens to be there is like i don't know what you're talking about superman supers man <laughs> except uh, the cop doesn't actually recognize earth 2 superman at so all his s is all wrong right there's a little bit of a difference between the s's on their chest the old s is like a little chunkier Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, that that that's weird. Let's go to Central City. We'll find the Flash's cosmic treadmill. Right. So they fly there, and there's a billboard that says, Welcome to the Twin Cities, Keystone and Central City. Which, sometimes Keystone and Central City are analogous to Minneapolis and St. Paul, but sometimes, Christy, sometimes Keystone City and Central City are considered Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, which one's Kansas City, Kansas? Because that stinks. Keystone City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Central City's Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. Shout out to uh, all of our fans in Kansas City, Kansas, which is, I think, probably nobody. <laughs> so they fly down, and Jay Garrick's wife, who is still on this earth, is having a barbecue. Can I just say the sunglasses? Oh, are... she reminds me of your grandma a little bit, and it's kind of great. <laughs> Specifically, Christie's grandma, not just your grandma, right? Yeah, specifically my wife, Christie's grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except for doing the grilling. I, I cannot imagine your grandma grilling. No, the truthster very much is all about letting the men do the cooking. Yes. <laughs> so Joan, Jay Garrick's wife, does not recognize Earth 2 Superman, even though it's like the, definitely the Superman that she should recognize. Yeah. Curiouser and curiouser. Right. I feel like that's just going to keep coming back, this issue, so I should probably just put it to bed now before it gets too old. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Curiouser and curiouser, C and C, Christy and Chris. Chris is on Infinite Earths. Bringing it back. <laughs> so they find Jay, who's like, oh, I'm sure you're here about the fact that now we suddenly have two cities. And they're like, oh, thank God. Somebody knows what's going on. Right. So they go to Jay Garrick's um, underground lab thing. Or just in his house lab, which is, like, huge and technical, and it's, like, do all superheroes have these? I, sure. I don't know. What? I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Wally West is already there, and he is working on the cosmic treadmill. He's kind of fixing it up, because they're going to try to go to Earth 2. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that they're still wondering about what happened to Barry Allen Flash, and they t- kind of talked about it, and people seem to, like, remember Barry Allen's trial, and it seems that he's just disappeared after that. Yeah. They don't know what happened to him, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure how related that is to the Earth's overlapping or more so just Barry did kind of disappear after his trial and then was, you know, killed on the time stream. Right. But they don't. Well, they they wouldn't have known that he had been killed because he kind of got. Yeah. No, none of the superheroes know that that happened. Nobody knows about Barry Allen Flash's sacrifice, which is why it's like the ultimate sacrifice. Right. Of a very boring character. 
So they all decide they're going to all run on the cosmic treadmill because for the most part, they're all super fast. And they're going to see what's going on in the space between universes. So they all jump on it and they're all running together on this treadmill, which I would love to see four people try to run on a treadmill at once. I feel like that would be really enjoyable. And even this panel makes it kind of look silly. Well, I mean, lots of people can go on like a moving sidewalk together. Yeah, this is a slightly larger treadmill. I'm yeah. just I'm thinking like like a like a gym treadmill, just four four dudes in capes just <laughs> trying to run on it. I love the videos of cats on treadmills. I want a, four cats on a treadmill. With capes. <laughs> with capes. Oh, those would be some rough kitties. <laughs> those would be some rough kitties. So they feel like they are going, you know, they're they're moving into the space between universes, and then poof, they disappear in a big flash. And they're kind of in that weird space, but holy heck, there's nothing. There's just a there's just a big old void. Yeah, yeah, and they're just kind of on a platform in the middle of this void, and it looks like all of them are kind of losing their footing, except for Earth Two Superman, right? Who feels like he needs he doesn't belong on the Earth that they're at, and he belongs elsewhere, and he's kind of drawn to the void and starts to fly off, but Earth One Superman grabs him. And says like, no, you still belong. You're 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 alive. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you need to come with us. And he's like, no, I don't have a home. But they manage to kind of beat feet backwards of the the other or the flashes and Superman Earth One, mm-hmm. and end up back in Jay Garrick's workshop. But the cosmic treadmill is now destroyed. Irreparably damaged. Yeah, it is now beyond repair. Which uh, I think they just did that because they're like, man, we really don't want anybody doing this story where they go into the void and then there's something in the void and they got to deal with that. And there's <laughs> never a mo- yeah, they just they were putting that one to bed. Yep. Well, putting a lot of things to bed in this issue, I guess. Mm-hmm. They have this moment where Earth 2 Superman just kind of explains that I just don't think I belong here. I think I belong to that that void. It just, just felt right. Mm-hmm. And they, they're kind of realizing... There's there's only one now. That's kind of the conclusion that they're coming to, the fantastic sleuths that they are. Right. And they're going to meet with it. Or um, Wally says that they should call everybody and he knows just the place to meet. Mm-hmm. Steak and shake. You know, affordable food. They'll get you seated fast. 24 hours. Yeah. Always good. Those fries. Those fries are good. The thin fries. Yeah. That kind mm. of pepper sauce. I like dipping those fries in that cheese. Mm-hmm, or the honey mustard. It's got, You've got, got a pregnant mustard. lady talking about food now. What have you done? We have to stop recording. <laughs> well, uh, we can uh, maybe move past this time-wise and go with... Well, that was a weird segue. With <laughs> Rip Hunter, who um, he and the Forgotten Heroes... Yes, it's literally a group called the Forgotten Heroes. They are somewhat analogous to the Legends of Tomorrow... I feel like more in mission statement rather than actual numbers. Mm-hmm. And they're on his time ship. That looks like it's going through like this fun rainbowy time space continu- continuum sort of thing. I don't know. Right. Well, they're meeting up with Brainiacs now kind of like drifting in space spaceship. Mm-hmm. They decide to board because they don't sense any life or movement on the ship. Right. And Rip Hunter remembers both Earths, but his partners don't. So they're, they are also kind of trying to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. So they find Brainiac plugged into his spaceship and he's just kind of just he's sleeping or uh-huh. <laughs> probably or like deactivated. Yeah. They think he's dead, but I, 
I always assume Brainiac is never dead. There's always a way for Brainiac to come back. Right. And really the purpose of that scene was just to establish that Brainiac is 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 deactivated or right. sleepy right now. And there and there's nobody else on the ship. Like it's not like the Brainiac ship is packed full of villains like it was. Right. It's Definitely. just him by himself. So a lot of the villains seem to be gone as far as they know. Well, mm-hmm. well, we'll they, we'll they don't more. know their whereabouts. They do not know their whereabouts. So now we go to Titan's Tower, where Titan's Tower is where Wally was having everybody meet up because Wally is is slash was a Teen Titan. So that's just that's all he knows. Which I have to I have to clarify a little bit. You get a little bit of the profile of the building, and I'm not super familiar with Teen Titans. Is the building T shaped? It's just a giant T. <laughs> Yeah. That seems so architecturally unsound. Yeah, it's in New York's East River. It's just, yeah, it, I don't know how it works. It, <laughs> it should crumble on the sides. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's it's just a big old T cool. for Titans or cool. Tower. So, yeah, Titan Tower is superhero central. It is. Um, where all the superheroes have met, and I, I love these George Perez drawn, like all the superheroes, like having, having a cocktail party kind of scene. Mm-hmm. They're all just having a chat. The stretchy dudes always got to stretch. They got to stretch all over the place. Sometimes you get flying people just kind of flying around, but I don't think the ceiling's high enough for that. Yep. We see Lady Quark uh, talking with Pariah about, yeah, it seems like there's only one Earth, uh, one right. new Earth, which combines everything. Yeah. It also looks like Captain Marvel and Uncle Sam tried traveling back to their respective Earths. Yeah, couldn't get to Earth S or Earth X. Don't know how they did it or tried to, but it's not really important. Right. So then we find out, well, they ask Wally why he asked them all to meet here. But then we get an appearance of Harbinger, not Lila, specifically Harbinger. Mm-hmm. As we sort of mentioned, I, I don't know if we were super specific about it because we did our fun little monitor tape things. But at the end of the monitor tapes, we saw the cat-like eye of Harbinger. Right. And they're like, how'd you get your powers back? And she's like, I just did. Well, <laughs> okay. she said in this in this reality, on the rebirth of the universe, as many realities have changed. And that's apparently just good enough. Sure. Everybody's asking, what happened to my Earths? Are they? Do they never exist? Mm-hmm. Superman 2's Krypton's gone. Lady Quark doesn't have a world. Earth Prime is gone. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of get a bit of a pathos story from Huntress, who Huntress is the daughter of Batman and, I believe, Catwoman mm-hmm. from Earth 2. Right. She was wondering why some people are remembered and some are not. Right. And she was kind of distraught because she didn't have a home. Her father didn't have a gravestone. It, she didn't exist. She, there was no, she didn't have a driver's license, no electric bills. Like she did her detective work, work because, you know, daughter of Batman got to do some detective work. And it's just like she didn't exist. Right. So how is she here? Right. And then she never had a father and has no identity. mm -hmm. And Earth 2 Dick Grayson also says, like, it was the same for me, but much worse, which, okay, cool, dude, way to quantify everybody's suffering. (laughs) Right. But he was saying that the only Dick Grayson he found was 19 years old and living in Manhattan. So he was a non person while she just never, never existed. I don't know how, how his is worse than hers, but Dick Grayson trying to play the suffering Olympics over here. Right. Yeah. 
it's honestly kind of strange to me that Helena Wayne doesn't exist because it seems like the only people who don't exist have direct parallels. So like Superman doesn't exist because there's already Superman. Yeah. But Jake Garrick exists, even though there's already a flash because they're two separate people. Cause the Supermans are both like Kal-El's. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. I don't try to analyze it too much. I'm guessing it's because she's the daughter of people who don't e- exist. Right. Okay. That would that would make sense. Because, right. yeah. So Har- Harbinger's like, yeah, it's just the irony of cosmic rebirth. Yeah. Huh. Paradoxes. Real strange. We just wanted to use you in stories later. <laughs> so we have basically kind of like the, the prologue or the explanation here from Harbinger of what happened. Because remember, Harbinger is now... Recording the history of the universe. That is like something she has decided to take on now that the monitor is gone. Right. So she just says like, hey, in this world, you know, Cro-Magnon men emerged. And then, the you know, the civilizations like Egypt, China, Greece, Africa, Rome. And this was a common history. However, this is where things start getting a little, a little different. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's kind of outlining history as we know it. Yeah. Technically, our Earth in the DC universe is Earth Prime, but this is basically Earth Prime with superheroes. Right. So it, it, it talks about the other Earths where that was not the case and how those Earths are just, those those are no longer. There aren't right. all these alternate realities. It does talk about that in the Second World War, things got a little more interesting. You know, we have like soldiers like the heroes and Sergeant Rock etc etc along with the freedom fighters yeah along with the freedom fighters and who emerged during world war ii well the freedom fighters and also the justice society of america Mm -hmm. somehow yeah all at once and uncle sam's like whoa whoa whoa!" but we went to earth x and harbinger's like no earth x doesn't exist right and there was only one planet krypton that exploded and sent forth one single rocket yep and so is it real goofy that the only difference between, like, Earth-2 Superman and Earth-1 Superman in terms of Cal-L is one of them is that Superman from Earth-1 is Cal-E-L, and the one from Earth-2 is Cal, just an L? I think they literally just did that to differentiate from the two of them at some point. I'm, right. I'm honestly But it's not, not like you can even verbalize that difference. It's just written. <laughs> Yeah, it works pretty well for comics. I guess that's true. Right. Not great for podcasts. Not great for podcasts. (laughs) And there was only one Batman, only like the one criminal in the the alleyway after Zorro. Mm -hmm. So that's when the Huntress realized her dad really never did exist. Right. For for realsies, which is why she doesn't exist. Right on this earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Same with Dick Grayson, his Batman never existed. And even, like, Captain Marvel's like, so I guess I was born here, too? That's so strange. This is impossible. I remember all this stuff. Then we have some really intense pathos. Because in the last issue, Superman from Earth 2 has this tearful goodbye with Lois, who doesn't want him to go and wants to make sure he comes back to her safely. Mm -hmm. And now he's just having this... He started already to have this breakdown, but this realization of my Lois is gone... Never existed. Right. And he's like, I should have just entered oblivion with her. Mm-hmm. 
Superman Earth One is like, I'll go help him because he stuck by me when I when I needed it the most. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can totally relate to Earth Two Superman here. Like mm-hmm. I would have some really intense feels, and I I know like a lot of these heroes are going through some similar sorts of stuff. But I just feel like it it's, it's kind of like kind of brushed off. There is a comic that is not DC or Marvel. It's called Astro City, and it's by a writer named Kurt Busiek. And there is a issue that's literally about someone whose wife got. It was not. It's not about a superhero. It's about an ordinary dude whose wife got lost in one of these, in like a thing like crisis, and he kind of remembers her, but she like never existed. And how he deals with that, even though he's just like an ordinary person, and it's considered one of like the greatest comic issues of all time. Yeah, that'd be worth a that'd be worth a a, a read. Well, I own it, so there we go. We own it in our Comicsology account, <laughs> <laughs> the one that the Comicsology account that I cater. <laughs> I occasionally sample. <laughs> right, I set up a buffet. Oh, well, we go into a little interlude of. Kind of like, it says there are places unknown to mortal men, places that can only exist in shadow, and only those who thrive in the dark can tread these grim pathways, which I guess is still on Earth, because we still <laughs> right. only have, like, the one dimension, right? Right. Here's the, here's the deal. There's only one Earth and one, like, universe, but there's still multiple dimensions that are, like, talked about in this particular issue. Yeah. We're just going to have to deal with that. They're just not Earths, I guess. Well, this is where Dead Man is, his whole deal is he's a ghost is talking to Phantom Stranger, and they're kind of looking at the Spectre's... Well, I don't want to say his body, because that would imply he's dead. They're looking at the Spectre, who is unconscious. He is in some sort of crazy magical coma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're like, hey, we we, we need you. Wake up. Please hey, wake help, up, Corrigan. <laughs> right. We then go to, like, a weird little interlude. Which I kind of thought was was great. It's It looks like it's in... Well, it is in Las Vegas, and it's at a detective convention. And it's this group of people that stumble in on this horrific scene. Yeah, a cleaning lady has fainted, and there's like a murder scene in a hotel room. Yeah. There's like a a corpse covered in smoke. Mm Mm-hmm. And at first, since they're at a detective convention, they think this is some sort of fun challenge before they realize, oh, no, no. This is like a this is like a legit murder that we've just stumbled on. Right. And they find a triangle. <laughs> Which is the angle man's angle weapon. Harvey Bullock says that. I'm I'm so positive that all of these characters are super important DC characters, but Harvey Bullock is the only one I know because he is a detective from Gotham City. Uh, yeah, well, it's a detective convention, so probably we have all of the detectives here, right? Just for some little cameo. <laughs> They're like, oh, sweet, a murder. This is what we're very good at. <laughs> um, uh, so it appears that Angle Man has somehow died in a puff of smoke, but we are not going to hear about that again for the re- for this entire issue. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're kind of in, we're in Salem at a castle. Right? Yeah. It's weird. And that's where um, Dr. Fate and Etrigan the Demon are hanging out. Now, Etrigan the Demon is a good demon. Right. I read this and I don't know too much about Amethyst and Gemworld and all that. I was like, demon? So these bad guys, good guys, they seem like they're good guys, but he's demon? Etrigan is a Jack Kirby original. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, he created him and like had him in his own comic, and then I guess he kind of got integrated with the larger DC universe. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Fate is doing some fun smoke conjuring, and he's having himself some visions where he sees Amethyst, the princess of the glittering jewel realm. Mm-hmm. And they think that she is the cause of something scary because mm-hmm. people are chasing her. So they're going to go rescue her. Yes. And yes, Amethyst sounds ridiculous. But as Chris asked me, he, he was like, well, if you were like an 11-year-old girl and you heard about a comic with a glittering jeweled princess, would you want to read it? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I totally would have. I mean, it's like it's like it's like super feminine sounding. Like you can you can just tell in the eighties, you know the the demographic they were probably trying to appeal to, which is kind of it's kind of cool. Like I know they've got their stuff that's designed to appeal to young girls now. Uh, DC superhero girls, which yeah. is like a line. It's like toys and a cartoon. It seems really cool. Which, as an adult woman, I've not really looked much into, but seems like this is sort of the same type of thing, right? It's good to to offer products to everybody. It just feels really weird to read about her in Crisis because it's like the glittering jewel princess. Mm, okay. Yep. <laughs> but she's here. She is, and she's being attacked by a mob who think that she has brought shadow beasts. Which, if it sounds familiar to you readers, well, it's because it is. Mm-hmm. So then a dude comes. This is Doctor Occult, who I honestly don't know much about. Mm-hmm. And he has his mystical symbol of the seven, and he says, this girl is innocent. This guy's just, like, in a trench coat and a hat. Yeah. With this symbol that's, like, alternating red and black. Yeah. Like, it kind of looks like a hazardous waste symbol or something. Or the Umbrella Corporation symbol from Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. But he kind of hypnotizes them into quiet. But then the shadow beasts come, and it's those shadow demons from yeah we haven't seen in a while few issues and they're on a black a background of pink sort of swirling miasma so we kind of know what that means Mm -hmm. and amethyst tries to do something to try to stop them but she's like this isn't gem world i don't know how powerful they and then whoa big blast yep so etrigan and dr fate join the fray etrigan breathes fire and disintegrates some of the shadow beasts dr fate kind of shoots some beams that look like onks, because his whole deal is it's he has like some onk stuff. I think Doctor Fate was originally the the helmet was supposed to have come from ancient Egypt. And suddenly Amethyst is blind. Yeah, hope none of none of the people reading this comic were uh, super squeamish about their main character being blinded by shadow demons, because that's what happened. The blast that hit her blinded her. It destroyed her optic nerves, according to Doctor Fate. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, looking into her eyes, he sees something. But no, that's impossible. Yep, so then he makes a portal to back to Gemworld, where Dr. Fate flies with her through the portal, as Etrigan and uh, Dr. Occult kind of stay back on Earth-1. And readers, if you want to know how this ends, you can find out in Amethyst number 13. Yeah, find out more about what's going on in Gemworld. And readers, you couldn't see it, but after I gave that sweet little tagline, I gave a stellar wink. Crossover's gonna cross over. So then we find um, Superman Earth 1 chasing Superman Earth 2 and says, Stop, you need to listen to me. Basically is telling him that, you know, to not give up and that super 
Cal L with just the one L stood by him whenever C- Cal capital L Cal capital L <laughs> Cal caps stood by uh, him whenever Kara died, mm-hmm. and that he's going to stand by him and wasn't going to let him give up. And you know he's like, well, I still lost my wife, and it's awful. And, and I'm only here because of a whim of fate, and right. it just feels pointless. Yep. We then figure out a little bit more about what's happening with the Wonder Women. Yes, because we've got we got two. Yeah, so Earth 2's Wonder Woman has a daughter named Fury. Mm-hmm. And when they go to, to Paradise Island, they kind of present themselves to Queen Hippolyta. And she goes, well, I don't know who the heck you are. But then the, just in time for Wonder Woman of Earth 1... And Donna Troy of Earth One to show up and be like, hey, we maybe need to talk to you a little bit. Earth right. Two Wonder Woman and Fury, daughter of Wonder Woman. Right. So, yeah, a lot, uh, lot of confusion going on there. And they remembered the multiverse. And they realized that the new Paradise Island had elements of both Earths. Mm-hmm. But nobody seemed to realize that. Yeah. Except for them. Then we find out from Power Girl that she is remembered even though her Superman is not. And I'm guessing it's supposed to be because Kara, Supergirl of Earth 1, died. But honestly, not quite certain. Yeah. Yep. They just kind of made up some rules. Paradoxes and things and stuff. Well, that's literally what Harbinger uses to explain it. She goes, I don't know. There's still lots of questions we can't answer. Mm-hmm. And then there's Batman. Yeah, so Batman and Alexander Luther and Robin, now these are all Earth-1 varieties, except for Alexander Luther, who's from Earth-3, but we know. Right. Go and check out Lex Luthor in prison. Right. Well, this is technically kind of a flashback to it, as Batman is explaining it to right. everybody. Mm-hmm. And Batman thanks Lex Luthor for helping them defeat the Anti-Monitor. And he's like... Hey, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just trying to make it look like I would work with you and ruin my my rep and my cred here. Get lost. Right. Yeah. So So, he doesn't remember any of it. mm -mm. And so we know that at least that villain didn't seem to have any clue about what happened. Right. So they kind of come to the conclusion that only the people who fought the Anti-Monitor at the dawn of time remember the multiverse. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love that Changeling calls him... Monty. Yeah, you know, old Monty. <laughs> and then, yeah, he just kind of like calmly comes to the, the correct conclusion about the monitor and goes, wow, look at that lightning. Oh, boy. There's pink clouds, which um, you'd think they'd remember what that meant, but they don't. Right. It sweeps across the world with impossible speed. Yep. We do a quick zip to Gorilla City where the shadow demons are attacking. Uh-huh. And, okay, I really, really don't understand this. Why Solivar is still, like, critically wounded. Apparently, unlike Chris's on Infinite Earths, which has taken place over several months, this has probably taken place maybe only a couple days. Right. But it seems weird to me that he's injured if that whole battle, quote-unquote, never happened. Mm -hmm. But it did. But I guess it did, because, I mean, Kara's still gone. Flash is still gone. So, paradoxes, I don't know. But what's crazy is he doesn't even remember. He doesn't remember how he got wounded. Nobody (sighs) knows how he got wounded. Nobody in Gorilla City knows how he got wounded. Right, including himself. Right. So then we go to Peru, where the Challengers of the Unknown are chilling out with Cave Carson and his cave crew. 
Yeah. Yeah, Cave Carson is. It was in a comic where he just did some sick caving adventures. They mm. they really are just like they're like, oh, we could throw a cave in here. Let's put in Cave Carson. Right. Yep. And what do they see deep in the cave? Just a swirling pink miasma. Yep. Yep. So no, no good, basically. Right. It's kind of crazy. I don't know how they figured out that they would find this here, but they're like, what do you see? What do you see, Cave Carson? Like they knew something <laughs> would be down there, but it's not really explained what. Uh, comics. Mm-hmm. And they know that they, the folks at Titan Tower are waiting. For, for the his... info. Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um but the, the he sees all this energy, but then they're like, "Oh, we're getting the same energy storm outside too." Mm-hmm. And then Pariah back at Titan's Tower starts to get tugged away, but he's not fully disappearing. Yeah, he just is feeling very, very cold. I guess it's it's like where would he get pulled away to? <laughs> right, right. I mean, because I guess. Did he get pulled away to different times? Because he's, he's gotten pulled It just to seemed to be different places. Yeah. And then it looks like Alexander Luther has some of that antimatter effect taking over his body with the fun stars and all that. Right. And then we see it from kind of a view in space. This whole, like, pink and kind of black storm is happening all around the Earth as something is slowly eclipsing it. Yeah. So, like, a shadow is moving over the Earth. And suddenly, everything has changed. Remember that the Superman, they were they were on a roof somewhere with Earth 1 Superman comfort, or comforting Earth 2. Well, now, they're still on a roof, but it seems as though they're in the antimatter universe. Yeah, and then we see kind of a, a red outline in space of the anti-monitor's face, and it says, Welcome to my universe. Welcome to your doom, as the Superman look on in horror. And then we have a double-sized issue coming up next that says The Final Crisis. And that's not true. There's a crossover called The Final Crisis, which (laughs) took place years later. Which is, that one's just called Final Crisis. So, you know, Crisis loves to end on a cliffhanger and it did it again. Oops. uh, I I, I won't go on. (laughs) (laughs) You ready for accolades? Yeah, let's do accolades. Starting with best line. My best line is from Dead Man, referring to the Spectre. He says, great, just great. He's going to sleep it off while the whole world goes to blazes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It was uh, It was kind of just a little bit of a silly line. Dead Man's kind of like a, a bit of a quippy character. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of looking for his. This issue is very hard for me to do accolades for since it's yes, just so transitional it was. we will get more into that all right well my best line comes from animal man of the forgotten heroes when they board brainiac ship and he says well cut my calories and call me skinny brainiac <laughs> that was really silly <laughs> that's real goofy i just i want to find ways to to use that expression now (laughs) well cut my calories and call me skinny that's really goofy Mm -hmm. all right so greatest hero 
my greatest hero, even though the heroes didn't do a whole heck of a lot of heroic stuff, was Earth-1 Superman. Ah. Because he was a real bro to Earth-2 Superman and was trying to comfort him, even though his entire world and wife and everything were gone. And I found those scenes ever so slightly touching. See, I'm almost kind of the flip side of that, because my greatest hero was Earth-2 Superman. What? Because he has... He's undergone, like, such great loss Uh at the cost of being super, which I think is kind of, like, the definition of superheroes in comics. Yeah. Like, the whole... Oh, so because he had made such a great sacrifice is why he's your greatest hero. Yeah. Mm. The, you know, the sacrifice of... Granted, it's not one that he made willingly, Mm -hmm. but to me, that was the loss that pulled at me the most, which was, like, the most heroic one. to t- Like, he went to go save the whole entire universe. Yeah. And not only did he lose his wife, but his wife never existed. Like, there's probably not even a picture of... Like, he, can- he couldn't find a picture of her. Yeah. There's no gravestone. There's nothing... No place for him to mourn or anything. Which I guess Huntress kind of has with her dad, but something different when it's a spouse. Yeah. Plus, she's at least there with Dick Grayson from her universe. Right. I feel like all the Earth 2 people could have, like, some, some like, weekly, like, luncheons. <laughs> Be like, hey, remember when superheroes started in World War II instead of after it? Wow. <laughs> all right. And then we have the coolest moment. My coolest moment is when they use the cosmic treadmill to go and they see the big void. Daily double! Yay! That was a very light high five, so yeah. we didn't overwhelm the overwhelm the, the, the microphone, microphone and destroy your ears, <laughs> dear readers. Uh, it just looked, it was a sweet panel. Yeah, it it looked really cool going into the void, and it was like this strongly like emotional revelation moment. Like it was very important story. It was kind of scary to me too. Yeah, nothingness scares me. I get that. Yeah, yeah. It was cool in like a like whoa sort of way. Hmm. All right, Christy, what is your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? Okay, so my Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy, you have to think a little bit outside the box. All right, there, I'm ready. There's really not too many villains in this. And yes, you have the Anti-Monitor at the end. Yep. Maybe he's kind of silly with his, you know, big revelation. But my, my uh, thought was all the villains we didn't see in this were pretty darn silly thinking that uh <laughs> no no oh, no where's this going <laughs> they're they're all silly because they don't know anything about what's happened and you know they're really not doing a whole heck of a lot <laughs> i don't know i i really had to grasp at straws i was like maybe Ooh. maybe brainiac because you know of course he's been silly he he's he's alive He's just playing possum. He's playing possum. He's a little like silly. Sir, villains not appearing in this comic are all silly. <laughs> well, I picked Lex Luthor. And the reason why was they came and talked to him, and he just immediately thought they were playing a trick on him. Like, it's like the most natural thing in the world. Well, of course the heroes are playing a trick on me. It was like, you'll never get me. Yeah. So, readers, we're really sorry, because the Silly Villainy Award was... Hey, Very it's not our fault that Marv Wolfman and George Perez didn't put any villains in this issue. Right. So, kind of wah-wah on that. Which, you know, th- th- this this issue, just in general, was definitely a lot of exposition. 
Yep. And looks like we're getting ready for the final, final battle. Yes. Now, how many times have we taken on the Anti-Monitor? Many, much times. At least, like, two really big times. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is the third. Supergirl really beat him up. And died. And died. And then they beat him up at the dawn of time. Oh, oh wait. Technically three times because the Flash beat him up and <gasps> That's died. right. So many times. So this is the fourth time. Oh, my God. I know. This is like those those grudges that last a little bit too long, like in wrestling. That You're like, yeah, but we've seen this same match four times. Yeah, four <laughs> times. Uh, like Dolph Ziggler and anyone. <laughs> so... Hopefully, I got high hopes for the ending here. This this double double pack. Double, what do they call it? Double double size. Double size. Yeah. Couldn't think of words. Yeah. So we. May I have would an... blame it on pregnancy brain, but I am just that forgetful. <laughs> well, yeah. So we'll be covering that for you guys next time, and then uh, Christy will be going on a brief hiatus. I will try to bring you some content in the form of Chris Time Capers where I will try to summarize issues of comic books in 60 seconds. Uh, so they'll be very short podcasts. Mm-hmm. Because I figured, you know, a lot of people, including us, love to do these, like, issues in an hour. And I'm like, what if we did the exact opposite? I've even There's even some comic podcasts or movie podcasts where it's like, we're going to talk about this minute of a movie or this page of a comic. And I'm like, what if I did the exact opposite? <laughs> Talked about an entire comic in an infinitesimally small amount of time. I'm, I'm excited for these. So you're either going to get the next episode very soon or there's going to be there's going to be some downtime because there's the possibility that even if we get it recorded before I have baby, it might not get edited in in enough time. So we will do our best. But before I go on my quote unquote official maternity leave from the podcast, Mm -hmm. we'll make sure to get that out to you. No guarantees. (laughs) (laughs) No guarantees on time there. But. But we will, yeah, we will get it out to you. It'll happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we should probably wrap up. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at, at Chris's Pod. Um, same on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Please rate or review us on iTunes. Uh, mm-hmm. Your five star reviews make sure more people get to see us and mm-hmm. hear this this real goodness that we're putting out. Thank you, everybody that's subscribed using whatever is your favorite pod-catching app. We've been seeing those numbers grow up. Adding new countries. Welcome Ireland, Germany, the Philippines. India? Uh, yeah, India. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I I love seeing all the, the new countries. It's just so fun. Yeah, it's fun to be international. And we are now an international podcast. We've been international. Yeah, we have been, like, almost immediately. We just haven't gotten down to Australia. We'll get there. We'll get down under. Yep. You can also email us um, at our Gmail, which is chrisisoninfiniteearths at gmail.com if you have any sort of long-form messages. I don't think we've gotten a single email, but, you know, just in case. Yeah. (laughs) But until next time. Slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours. 